0: Back to talking, Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osman, here with my friend in Chavruta, page 11. So, I know I mentioned yesterday that this has one of my um, and I wanted to speak a little bit about why I love this brisa so much. So, we have a machlokas on the top of the daf between uh, Rabbi Yezer and uh, Rabbi Yoshua, and the machlokas is over. When is the future going to happen? According to Rabbi Eliezer, he said. Right, the uh, original place in Mitzrayim took place in Nisan, but the future one is going to take place in Tishrei. Rabbi Yoshua has a different approach and he says, Right, that in Nisan we were redeemed, and in the future we will be redeemed again in Nisan. Um, I think what the essential is sort of what type of ge'ula are we going to have? When we think about the ge'ula of things that happen or that are listed between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, of things that happen in Nisan, I like to think of Nisan as sort of a ge'ula where Hashem's love is totally and completely apparent, right? Like when we were uh, redeemed in Mitzrayim, it was done with a lot of miracles. It was very clear that Yad Hashem was there, right? Um, and even when it talks about sort of the, birth of the adot taking place in Nisan, right? The idea, you know, the adot were the special people uh, and there was something very loving that they were brought into the world. And yet we have that it's on Rosh Hashanah, right? That in Tishrei we say that's when the the imahot were remembered and also uh, have children. And I always think about that because what does that imply? It's that they were remembered, but they themselves that they were actually going to have a baby at that point. And so I think it's saying something like, yes, the geula gets put in motion, but it's hidden in a way, right? It's just Hashem Pakad. Hashem just remembers but the actual guula piece of it or their prayers being answered doesn't actually become apparent much, much later on. And so essentially, I think that's sort of the two models of what does it mean to have a guula a nisan or a geula let me is again, with these miracle miracles, this love from Hashem is very apparent. And Tishrei is a Gula. It's there, but it may not be as completely apparent. And so I think that's essentially what this Machlop is between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua. It's not really just about timing, but it's giving us a of what this ultimate Gula is going to actually look like. Is it going to look like the son that we had in Mitzrayim? Or is it going to be a geulah of Tishrei, which we could say is more of what the Imahot and Chana experience, which has a hidden nature to it. So that's why I love this price. I think it's a really interesting, uh, two different really ways of sort of how one can experience God in this world.
1: You know, I feel like there's a handful of people, probably more than a handful, who pay a lot of attention to the kinds of questions of redemption and where are we in this world as you know compared to where we're going to be or hope to be and so on. But I feel like very often this kind of topic gets shunted aside in the busyness of just daily life. And it's not it's not practical, right? So once it's not practical, I mean hopefully everybody's working towards ghoul or whatever that may mean for each person, but but the idea that here it's brought to life, I think, in the in a very concrete, you know, we're talking about when these things are created, when who's what who what happened to whom when I, I feel like it makes it much more the by giving it the narrative about the past I think it kind of opens perhaps it opens the the waves or whatever towards the future.
0: I I like that that's uh yeah always think about but again I this particular discussion is more about a model of like how do we experience God in this world and not necessarily even about the final goal. Um, the next section, I love this stuff and there was too much to do on it, but just the the next section that follows. Tanya, Rabbi Eliezer, so a bracer here wants to go through the actual sources of how do Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua get to when the world was actually created. So Rabbi tishrei and how does he know this? And how does he know this? So he quotes here a from... Chapter one verse eleven where it says and God said look the earth bring forth grass, herb herb yielding seals, and fruit trees yielding fruit after its kind. Amen. The question is which the month, right? When the earth usually is, you know, gro- when when everything is grown, right? When the grass is there and the trees are full of bright fruit, you have to say that this is Tishrei, right? We know that Tishrei is basically right at the beginning. Of uh, the end of sort of the harvest season, when everything is sort of out and 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 in full uh, full bloom, right? And so then they say, in the period that begins with Tishrei is also the t- there's rain, and rain fell and the grew, because the later on it says, two verse six it says, but there went up a mist from the ground right in other words it's talking about sort of when there was the first first rain so what this is talking about is is that basically the world had to be created in tishrei right so that when the world was created it needed rain plants would grow um and so that's why it had to be so it's created at the time when things are going to start growing what do plants need in order to grow they need to have rain so what ravi elias are saying in a way is is that if you know, it have that it's not rainy, season, and therefore the trees, the plants, the grass, all those things wouldn't have been able to grow. Then we get to Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua, how do we know that in uh, the Rabbi Yeshua is that in created? Now again, I'm I'm blown away by this opinion of Rabbi Yeshua because I think about our liturgy of Rosh Hashanah and the whole idea that the world was created. Then Rabbi Yeshua would have been a complete master than what we have and so how does he prove this but to say it's a mazria separate he puts British chapter 1 verse 12 right which says and the earth brought fruit brought forth grass uh herb yielding seed." and so in other words the first pasuk is saying God says in pasuk yudala let it happen right and then pasuk Yabet is when it actually happens and so what is the month, right? When the earth, you know, when grass starts to grow and the trees are bring the fruit, you have to say that it's Nissan, right? So the world was created in Nissan, right? Is when the world we have to say the world was created in Nissan, right? Um, because that's when these things start to happen. Also, the other thing about Nissan is is that that's the time when basically animals start to mate. And he he had it. He noticed he Uh Chapter 13. It says the flocks are clothed in the meadows. So, in other words, the flocks get together right in the meadows. In other words, when everything is is starting it is starting to grow, right? And so the Gemara basically wants to say, okay, today you know, wants to explain well, what do they do with those psukim. ha right? So according to the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer, when it says in the tree yielding fruit, meaning the world was created already when the tree was just beginning to... fruit. So Rabbi Eliezer is going to say that's a blessing, right? It's a way of saying that there was a blessing within creation that always, that for future generations, fruit would always come back again. The idachnami, okay, and according to the other town, it's Rebbe Yeshua, right? Hakativ eats Pri. What do we say about the fruit tree, which sort of indicates that the fruit, the trees were already full of fruit? Haku ked to Rebbe ben Levi. This is like according to the opinion of Rebbe Yeshua ben Levi. To Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, right? What did Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi say? This is the same Rabbi Yeshua. Okay, that when the creation happened, right? It happened fully. In other words, when those trees were created, okay, even in Nisan, they were created with full fruit, okay? Uh, right? That they were basically with their full capacities. You know, this from Berishi chapter two, verse one, right, where it says, we read this every night and it's part of Kiddush, the heavens and the earth were finished and all their hosts. al to do not read it as hosts, right? Rather, elat meaning everything was completed and these were actually with their ripe fruit. So Rabbi Yeshua is doing something very interesting here. He's placing the time of creation in Nisan because that's when fruit trees to be brought. But he's also saying that when, actually with creation, trees were were brought into creation completely and fully formed. Whereas Rebbe, you know, this was really, he uh, says it has to be in Tishrei, right? And he also relates it back to rain and that in a certain way, the process of the trees growing had to be done in a way. I think there's a lot to unpack here that I don't fully have time to do. Um, but, you know, just to highlight sort of the is about you know, they're sort of asking the essential question, which is, when things came into the world, how did they come? Was it a seedling? Is it a fully formed tree? What was the relationship to the natural and how trees were required to grow? And I think we're seeing a lot of those things sort of being discussed between these two different opinions of Rebillia Zern and virtua
1: So I'm going to say the same thing, or not the exact same thing, but that I said before, where I'm again struck by the the way this is addressed in a very practical discussion, right? Meaning, so yes, they're talking about how were things created in like a, let's debate it. Let's get to the answer of how things were created. And I feel like that's always something I feel people want to know, but I'm not sure that we can determine it. And I'm fascinated by the conviction here in each of the you know multiple opinions.
0: Oh, there's a lot of conviction here. I think that's that's absolutely true
1: but it's funny right like i would i would want to talk to them and say okay but why why are you so certain that your understanding of this is like talkless what happened in in back uh, you know however many years earlier type of thing you know i think but more, I, I, i'm gonna say now. i
0: think the reason is is because they're not making it up it's basically and so they're, they can be certain of it right like, well it's not like, oh, it makes more sense to me. It's like this. It's really based on a reading of Sukin.
1: Right. And what so we do, think in a way
0: they, they earn the right to certainty based on that.
1: I hear that. But what happens then is that we come along this many generations later and say, oh, look, he reads it like this and he reads it like this. Yes, that's a good reading. Oh, that's also a good reading. And now we're left back with the lack of certainty that, right, you're, you know what I'm saying? That, that. I don't feel that we can. I can side with either of them per se. One might sit well better with me a little bit, but you know, like because you can read the psukim in various ways, I feel like we don't have that certainty,
0: right? But they, because I think they re, they were confident in their reading of psukim. that's how I would say it in a way that we, I don't know that we totally understand.
1: Okay, that's fair. All right, I want to jump to Amunbet. Amunbet here is actually um, quite short. Um, but one of the things that it discusses here, it even begins a little bit on the bottom of Ahmad is what happened on Rosh Hashanah, which meaning, again, presumably Tishrei, right? It seems that way, that we're talking about Rosh Hashanah of Tishrei, the one that we call Rosh Hashanah. Um, and, and we find out, this is what it says at the bottom of the previous Ahmad, that Yosef came out of prison on that day, right? And then particularly what strikes me as interesting, and I found it interesting in the, when We first read the Braita to begin with, yes. on Rosh Hashanah, the forefathers' slavery, the, the oppression of the of the work uh, was cancelled in Egypt. And it's from a verse, as you said, Yodina. There's a lot of interpretation straight from the from the biblical text. That the, I will bring you out. I mean God says, right, I will bring you out from the from under the suffering of Egypt. Uh, the burdens of the oppression of Egypt. Uchtiv hatam, and also written there, this is all from, well, the first verse here is from Shmot Pergvav, chapter six in Exodus. And then we've got another verse in the book of Tehilim, uh, mizmor 81, which says, Uchtiv hatam hasiroti I will, I removed the suffering from his shoulder. Right? So this idea that, We've got these two verses that sound like um, "sevel" is the suffering in Tehillim, and "sivlot" are the is the suffering or the burdens in Egypt. So between those two words, then we can understand that, and it takes us back to this this description on the bottom of the previous page of of Yosef who was released from prison, right? If re, if he was released from prison in Tishrei that there's a word of several there. So too, the slavery was ended on at the time of Sishrei for the forefathers. And I feel like, well, that required a lot of thumbs to get to that conclusion. It's not just one verse to another verse, because then you have to still then jump back to the to the Yosef story to understand that if he lost, if his suffering was ended, so too their suffering would be ended. Um, it's I, I think it's, I understand why they want to have a date certain when the slavery ended but i feel like there may be another piece to this puzzle that is that makes it a little bit more i don't know i don't want to say obvious because because once they've explained it you know it's pretty obvious but but i feel like that will make it a little bit of a tighter connection between the the suffering and the suffering um and then the guard goes on here meaning they the the slavery stopped in back in tishrei and then in nisan they were redeemed so this of course is where i had my initial question which seems like (laughs) it seems like a lot of time between the time of the slavery stopping until they actually were redeemed meaning what did the egyptians think they were doing all that time with their slaves hanging out like i just you know maybe it's uh you know too many too many like immediate renditions of the Haggadah or something like that that makes you feel like well this happened and then they left like they they left their their slavery from that day and went down i don't know that it has to be literally that day because i guess there's a certain amount of time that the plagues were affecting the egyptians right i'm trying to put the timeline together so here we've got so it says straight up in nisan they were redeemed and then back in that break that said um that in the future B'netra will, will be redeemed in Tishrei again, not again, Atia, Shofar, Shofar. And here we again have this textual connection between, on the one hand, we've got the word Shofar in one verse and the word Shofar in another verse, K'tiv Hacha, B'chode blow the Shofar in the month, blow the Shofar in the month of the Shofar. And the second time it says um, and you will you know, it'll come to ta- pass that you will blow the great shofar. So these verses, the first one is found in Tehillim 81. That's the same, it's not the same verse, but it is the same chapter as the suffering verse. So it's not crazy to think that the suffering and redemption should follow one from the other, because here they are in close proximity, although it happens to be that the sho- shofar verse comes first. And then lastly, the the day that the great shofar will be blown is a verse from Isaiah, Yeshayahu. Kav twenty seven. So, so the idea here is we have textual evidence that says that um, the 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 day of redemption that did happen took place in Nissan, and the day of redemption that will happen is going to somehow go back to Tishrei, somehow being because of this connection to the Shofar. And then, lastly, in the Spreiter, it says Rabbi Yoshua, I mean, on our daf about the Spreiter, Rabbi Yeshua Mer Ben Nigalu. And Rabbi Shun says that when it's talking about the redemption of Nisan, he says, and also it will be in Nisan that they will be redeemed in the future, presumably not Tishrei, right? That seems to be this, this discussion. Minalan, Where does he get this idea? From a verse, Amar Kra, Leil Shimurim, from the verse of the Night of the Watching, which we always talk about in the context of Pesach, Leil HaMishumar, he says this night of watching was, um, which is the night when the Israel were brought out of Egypt, right, is going to also be uh, the future night of watching because it's a night that has been always, always watched. Uh, it has, it's the night of watching that is always a night of watching. And it was created um, or perhaps set aside for the purpose of this even from the from the time of creation meaning this idea that nisan is a time of redemption is built into the very nature of creation and your data this brings it back to your fruit trees i think right like is this something that happens by virtue of when ben israel if deserve it or through our actions or what can we do to bring about kaula or and and when that would be or is it simply even if it depends on our actions is it built into the calendar when it's going to happen yeah,
0: I first of all I agree with you. This whole thing about the slavery ending in Rosh Hashanah, well, Tishrei, excuse me, and then you're sort of like, what happened for all of those months? I, like, this is one of those things that, like, it's a line in the Gemara that you have not really heard people talk so much. So, no. like, what was going on? I, I, I just am very puzzled by this by this whole notion of ending in in Tishrei,
1: unless that's why I said. Like, unless we can like Stretch out those makot over over six months. So right, right. so maybe that
0: makot were so bad, like in a way they couldn't do their actual work, right? You know, and so there was a certain type of freedom mako itself, maybe,
1: or at least a lack of oppression because everything's meaning if if there's makat choshech, then and even if the Jews, even if the Israelites could see, right, but the Egyptian overseers can't get to the to the field or whatever to to force them to work. I don't know, I, Like I, 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 as I say, this is not yet easily, it's not yet sitting well with me, but I think that there may be something to that. I think that we all have understood now when something overwhelms an entire globe, which has happened recently, as we all know, I feel like maybe there is something to be said for if the Mako really hit the Egyptians in this kind of overwhelming kind of way, and it took a bit of time, although I always thought they happened much faster. But that's a different kind of math that we'll have to do a different day.
0: That's our discussion for the day. Thank this reviews, tell your podcast. Thank you to Rebony, e, Michelle, and Faber for hosting us on our website. Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.